We're about to start B'siyat HaDashmai, Habit 5, and Baruch Hashem, we're working our way week by week through these Gavaldiga Habits, and um, as I said a few times, I'm hoping that we've internalized the previous four, which are important. So last week's habit was what Stephen Covey calls win-win, which we explained was extremely hard to do. It was a method of working on relationships. And now what we're going to do this week is work to create the culture of win-win. In other words, if we want to create a win-win situation, how do we do that? How is it possible on a practical level? It's a very practical habit this week. Habit number five, Stephen Covey calls seek to understand, then be understood. Probably one of the hardest habits, but probably one of the most critical for any relationship. And when we say any relationship, we refer to marriage, we refer to roommates, we refer to parents, siblings, children, workmates, and anything in between. Now, anytime you have a relationship, and as we mentioned, we have relationships all the time. We, we, you know, we interact with people at all stages of our day. We communicate at different times on different levels. But the question is like this. When we listen to someone, do we do so on our own perspective? Or are we trying to listen to someone else's perspective? It's very interesting because we spend many years of our lives learning how to read, how to write, and how even to speak. But how much time do we spend on learning how to listen? which is a most fundamental idea, as we'll see. And as Stephen Covey writes, most of us typically seek first to be understood. Whereas this habit, again, is seek to understand, then be understood. Now, most people do not listen. And you'll notice this, right? Maybe sometimes we don't notice this. The Gemara tells us, that we don't think about something, you just doesn't come to mind. So most of us will realize this is very true if we actually put our mind to it. When we listen to somebody else, and again, our roommates, our rebbeim, our friends, our family members, our spouses, we generally do not listen with the intent of actually understanding. The rule is that when people communicate, and Stephen Covey writes this, it's so beautiful, the rule is that when people communicate, they're either speaking or preparing to speak. That's just what it is, right? And it's just such an interesting thing. You ever experienced this? That you're listening to someone, and as you're listening, you're already trying to figure out what your answer is? You're not, you're not even listening to them. You're just waiting for them to stop, or just be polite enough that they take a breath, and then you just, you know, you dive in there. You're not actually listening to them to understand. You're hearing enough of what they have to say so that you know what to respond, but it's about you. It's about how to respond. It's not about listening to somebody else. Now, we don't generally listen to understand, we don't seek to understand, and sometimes, as we'll mention this a few times, if we have a problem with someone, what are we going to say? Ah, they don't understand. As opposed to thinking, do we understand? We end up listening through our world, we even give solutions based on that as well, what works for us. If you remember last week, and Stephen Covey actually begins this habit with this idea, and we mentioned it last week, of the idea of going to the optometrist, and you say your eyes are blurry, it's not working, and he gives you his glasses and says, hey, look through these, and you're like, what? Made a lot worse. I'm like, what do you mean? The guy says, I've had these for 25 years. These glasses are amazing. They've worked for me for 25 years. They're amazing. There's no reason they shouldn't work for you, and if they don't work for you, there's something wrong with you. It's a crazy analogy, right? But we do the same thing. We give advice based on our world, our perspective, the way we look at life, and the way we think life should be, and we say, okay, do things like this. 
One second. Did you understand the other person? Okay. So, in psychology, they say that the greatest psychological need of a human being is to be understood. In fact, communication experts estimate that 10% of our, communi- of our communication is represented by the words that we say. 10% of all our communication is represented by our words. Another 30% is by the sounds that we make. 60% is our body language. Incredible. Incredible. So, if you're talking to somebody else and that person that you're talking to does not feel understood, they become defensive and they feel like they're being judged. And people are very, have good antennas, they pick up the vibes. So, if they feel they're not being understood, yes, you're listening, the, the words are going to the ears, but at the end of the day, they feel like you're judging them. And when the moment they feel judged, they be defensive. And we all do the same thing. Now, the truth of the matter is that as long as we're listening to someone through our world, through our perspective, you are basically judging them. And they pick this up, they feel judged, and they feel threatened. The Mishnah in Perkyovis tells us famously in Perik Base that you're not allowed to judge someone until you reach their place. What does that mean? Don't judge someone un- until you reach their place. The answer is such a simple idea. That means don't judge them. Because the moment you will reach their place, you'll stop judging. Because when you reach their place, you'll realize where they're coming from. You'll realize their perspective, you'll realize their world, and you'll stop judging them. Because there's nothing to judge. And therefore, that's what the Mishnah means. Don't judge until you reach their place. You'll never get to their place, and therefore don't judge them. Now, the moment somebody feels judged, then the, the lines of communication completely break down, and you can't accomplish anything. So there you are thinking that you're listening to someone, and you're not really actually listening. You're just being polite. Now, if you want to connect to anyone... And this applies, again, on a high level in a marriage, but on any level, with an employer, employee, with a friend, a chavusa, with a parent, with a child, with a sibling. If you want to connect to people, you have to create a solution of win-win, which we spoke about last week. And it basically means that this habit today is the vital for communication, which we will never be able to create the situation we discussed last week of win-win by projecting our version of the world to somebody else. Now, just imagine, I'll give you an example. Your child comes home from Cheda, your son comes home from Cheda, and he says, my Rebbe is picking on me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right, classic. I didn't do anything wrong. My Rebbe is picking on me. It's always me. It's nothing to it. I didn't do anything wrong. Right, happens every time. Classic parent. What do they answer? You must have done something wrong. Come on, there's no way the Rebbe is going to pick on you. You must have done something wrong. What have you just done? You have just, just judged your child. You've just seen the world from your perspective and you've showed your child that it's all about my perspective. You've judged him. And if you want communication from your children, you'll never get it that way. Because you have to understand your child. Seek to be understood and then move on. That's what it's all about. You have to understand. That doesn't mean, by the way, you have to agree with your child. That doesn't mean you're 100% right, the Rebbe is wrong, I'm going to call him out. That doesn't mean that. Understanding someone doesn't mean you agree with them. You can disagree with them. But you have to disagree with them after you've shown them you understood their world and you look at it from their perspective. That's what it is. You understand the world that they look at and sometimes you may have to change their perspe- perception of life but you can only do that after you've actually understood where they're coming from. Stephen Covey brings a story that a guy came over to him and said, you know what? I cannot understand my children. They just don't listen to me. And Stephen Covey says, could you repeat that? 
He says, I just don't under- I, I just don't understand my children. I can't understand my kids. They just don't listen to me. He said, Did you just say that you don't understand your son because he won't listen to you? Father says, Yeah. He says, Seriously? I thought you have to understand somebody else. In order to understand, you have to listen to him, not he has to listen to you. And that is the Yusuf over here. I'll tell you an amazing idea. The human being, Chazal describe as a Madabe. Right? Unglis tells us that Parshas the whole side of a human being that, differ- that makes us different to an animal is we are a Madaber. We know how to speak, hopefully intellectually, but we know how to speak. That sets us apart from an animal. There's a Mishnah in Perkyovis. The Mishnah in Perkyovis uh, says a very interesting thing. The Mishnah says, amongst many things, that they looked in the world to find things, and the only thing that they found, they couldn't find anything better than Shtika, silence. That's very interesting. If we are described as a madabe, and what sets us apart from an animal is a madabe, we are a speaker, we speak. So why does the Mishnah tell us that the greatest thing is silence? See, it doesn't really go together. And the answer is, you can only be a madabe if you know how to use silence. If you know how to be quiet and listen to somebody else and use shtika, then you'll be a madaba, and that madaba will be something of a real tayanis. By the way, animals also communicate. Do you know how animals communicate? Animals communicate in a totally different way than a human being. Animals communicate by sending signals. So for example, if an animal wants to send, if an animal is hungry, what does he do? He sends out a signal, I am hungry. Now, any animal in the, you know, within close range gets that signal, and says, I better get out of here, because I'm smaller than that animal, and I'm going to be eaten alive. So he runs away. And an animal will send out a signal, I'm in a bad mood, I'm angry, and then anyone in the area picks that up. Meaning, the animal doesn't care if anyone's listening, the animal doesn't care if anybody's reacting. The animal's sending out, this is my world, I'm sending out that communication. Unfortunately, many of us, many human beings, basically communicate in the same way. We send out signals of our world. We send out communication of our world, not thinking about anybody else, not regarding anyone else's world. People talk and talk and talk, projecting their world, their perspective, where they come from, without ever stopping to see if anybody's even listening, anybody even cares, or anybody understands them. And that's a very important idea. How do we see if we're actually listening? How do we see if we're really listening? How do we do this? So, one of the ways of seeing if we really listen is by our response. One example is giving advice. Do we give advice to someone before we understand their world? You need to understand where they're coming from. You need to leave your world and enter their world, and then maybe you can give them advice. Stephen Covey calls this empathic listening, Russian from empathy. It's one of the hardest things to do, but it means totally shutting down. Close your world for a moment, put yourself in the other person's world as much as possible in their situation, and then, that's called listening. It's very, very difficult. Just imagine, you ever heard someone in a conversation, and somebody else turns around and says, that is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. How can you say that? That's ridiculous. That's completely crazy. You can't even say that. Immediately after that, go to a quiet place, close your eyes, and think. Go to that person's world, their perspective, their upbringing, their mood, their environment, and see, and often, more than not, you will see that what they said makes total sense. But from your world, it's crazy. From your world, it doesn't make sense. And this causes so much problem within communication, within relationships, that it's impossible to create a win-win situation, as we explained last time. It's a very hard thing 
Especially as we always hold that we're right, right? Who doesn't think they're right? We all, we all think that we have the right perspective and the right mahalach. So it's very hard for us to close off our world and listen to somebody else. It's very, very hard. If, if you're running a company, it's very hard for you to say when you hear from your, one of your workers that you're doing something wrong. If you're married and you know, your spouse says to you you're doing something wrong, it's very hard because what do you mean? Of course I'm doing the right thing. Because we all think we're right. And therefore it's very hard for us to look at somebody else's world. But in order to communicate in a real way, we have to do this. It's almost like the famous story of um, a community came to the Briskarov and they said to me, I have a big problem. You know, the, the shaykhat who shachts in the shtot and the tan, there's not such a Yerushalayim, nothing crazy, but like, we don't hold he's really good for the job. What should we do? So the Briskarov said, listen, you can't fire him, but maybe sort of tempt him into a new job, maybe start finding him different opportunities and hopefully he'll move on and he won't be the shaykhat. So they're very happy with that advice. They went off and they offered it to him. Next day, the sheikh walks into the Biskarov. And he said, well, what should I do? They're offering me all these different jobs. They've got all these ideas. Should I do it? What should I do? And the Biskarov said, no, I think, you should, I think you should stay in your job. I think you should stay where you are. It's fine. So he said, okay. So the community came back to him and said, Rebbe, I understand. You're the one that told us that, he sh- that we should do this to him. And you advised him differently. He said, what do you mean? When, when you came to me, I, I took the world from your perspective. Your perspective was, you, you're not so sure. Fine, so go find somebody else. You know, maybe find another job for him. When he came to me, he came from his perspective. From his perspective. I think he should keep his job. So, in other words, he was able, with the goodness of the Biskarov, to understand that it's not about our world. We look about it from someone else's perspective. It's a very, very powerful, very hard thing to do. The Gemara has a question. The Gemara asks, why do we always paskin like Beishelel? Why do we always paskin like Beishelel? Over Beishelel. What's the Pshat? So the Gemara brings a few answers. Two I want to concentrate on. Number one. The way Beis Hillel always taught in the Beis Medrash, in their Beis Medrash, was they taught both shitas. They didn't just teach their, their perspective, they taught Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Okay, that's what they said. Number two, the Gemara tells us, very big aside, when they taught, they taught shitas Beis Shammai first, they were Beis Hillel. They taught shitas Beis Shammai first, and then they moved on to Beis Hillel, and in that source, the Gemara tells us, we pass again like Beis Hillel. What's the Gemara telling us? The Gemara is telling us that and that is Beis Hillel tried to understand somebody else's world. Let's understand it. Let's go through the sugya, the fide, understand it. Good, we'll argue with them. Maybe we hold up they're wrong, but we're going to try to understand their perspective. Now, you may differ from other people. You may have different perspective, different worlds, different environments that you grew up in. And all of that contributes to the way that you communicate. But at the end of the day, the reason why Beis Hillel had the schos of having the halacha like them was because they always put first the halacha of Bishamai and then they went to the halacha. Seek to understand and then be understood. Stephen Covey brings two ways that a person can do this in a real way. Number one, um, repeat what they said. No, it doesn't have to be word for word, but repeat it. Show them you understand and show yourself that you actually understand. And number two, try to understand the feelings of the one that said it. For example, child comes home from school, he's upset with the teacher. Common, common case. So what do you do? So what you have to do is, number one, the child has to feel that you actually understood them. You didn't just listen to them, you understood them. And number two, the child wants you to understand your, that you understood their feelings. This is so much true in a marriage. If you, under, if you take this advice and you live with this and you implement this in your life, and it's so much easier to do it with your chavusa and with your friend, but when you get to your spouse, when you get to your wife, this makes a world of difference, that you will be able to understand her and she'll feel understood. She'll feel validated that you could say, 
I've got a different perspective, let's look at my perspective. That could be. That doesn't mean you don't understand her, but it means that you understood her. It's the most powerful thing, and as I said in psychology, it's the most common and most important any value that any human being requires to be understood. Seek to understand. Once you've done that, then you can be understood. Remember, we're trying to create a situation of win-win. In order to do that, I have to understand you. But once I've done that, you also have to understand me. There has to be communication. These are hard things. They're not easy. It's very easy for us, by the way, to sit there on a Tuesday night and discuss them in a very theoretical way. It sounds beautiful, very flowery, sounds nice, but to put them into practice is very, very difficult. In fact, Stephen Covey's son writes that his father, Stephen Covey, struggled with this habit more than any of the other habits. And he said why. He quoted his father, and his father said, it's so hard to listen when you know that you're right. And it's so true. It's so true. We know that we're right. Our perspective has to be right. So how can we listen to somebody else? But we have to seek to understand and then be understood. Now what we have to do and take it from here, once we've hopefully graduated this habit, we have to then take it to the next level. And that is actually once we've understood people to create the solutions that will be able to fix all of the issues that come up on a daily basis, which Amit Hashem will continue next week. Have a wonderful week.